0: Manifesters, this is Montego Nights, the only Manifest podcast hosted by the actual passengers of Montego 828. I'm Terrence. And I'm Brandy. And tonight we have a special guest on. We have the show creator and executive producer of Manifest, Jeff Rake. How you
1: doing? Hey
0: Jeff, how you doing? We're doing great.
1: Thanks for for
2: coming with us today.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here and thank you for everything you've done this entire season. I'm so grateful. Uh, <laughs> We've really enjoyed it. I mean, I can only Good.
2: speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure that Terence uh, says the same.
0: That's cool. Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy ride to be a part of the pilot and then kind of ride this kind of roller coaster all the way through. It's, but, it's been interesting, right?
2: Right to be a piece of it and also get to be a fan. It's a, it's a very unique scenario.
1: I love that. Good. Well, enjoy. So then it's a win-win because I'm having the time of my life.
2: Great. Awesome. Great.
0: All right. So to kind of kick off this very special episode. I guess we'll just dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, um, So from what we've read online and in the press, Manifest has been kind of a show that's been in your head for a very long Mm -hmm. time. So why Manifest and especially why now?
1: Right. Um, Well, why now is because somebody finally bought it. (laughs) Uh, 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 Yeah, this was kind of a crazy thing because I thought of the big idea almost 11 years ago. And I I remember it like it was yesterday. I was driving in a minivan with my family, uh, halfway from LA to the Grand Canyon, and it was family vacation. And I was an out-of-work television writer at the time. And I was brainstorming uh, just kind of from a very, you know, Machiavellian, producerial place, trying to come up with that big, great, high-concept idea that was going to reboot my career. Uh, but the context was this family trip, and so there I am with my wife, and we have four kids, and you know they were young at the time, and so it's a chaotic, you know, uh, fun but frustrating long drive, and I was thinking a lot about family togetherness, <clears throat> about family separation, uh, <clears throat> and just letting my imagination run wild, and. Uh, you know, I, and so it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I just thought of this big idea. What if a plane disappeared and a family was separated as a result? What would that mean for the family? And what would it mean if uh, the family was brought back together at some later point in time? Anyway, I thought of pretty much the whole, the whole kid and caboodle and spent the next couple of weeks feverishly working on it. Went back to my agents, pitched the show out. They said, great, let's get you out there in the world. And I pitched it to studios and nobody bought it. It's the bottom line. Nobody bought the thing. Uh, And I put it on the shelf, and I sort of forgot about it uh, because, you know, in Hollywood, uh, old ideas are usually looked down upon. And uh, so I spent the next number of years just working other jobs, thinking about new ideas. Uh, Then Malaysian Airlines happened, right? So now cut to six years later. The Malaysian Airlines flight disappears. And, you know, in the weeks and months after that, Uh, just like everybody else I was trying to process you know that that bewildering mystery right that tragic mystery Uh, and yet at the same time it also occurred to me well now something like this has happened in the real world so therefore maybe my idea uh, could gain some traction because there's a reference point now in the real world so uh, long story short this time around I pitched it I was able to reference you know the flight I was a little more seasoned in my career and uh, you know, this time, this time I was able to uh, get the show on the air. So that's a long-winded way of saying that sometimes an idea, you know, takes uh, a very little time to move forward. Sometimes it never moves forward, and sometimes there's that happy medium where you can take something off the shelf and uh, and give it a second life. So I like to tell that story because I think there's a lot of creators out there or aspiring creators. Uh, who have been trained to believe that once you try to sell something and nobody buys it, that idea is dead forever. Right. And that's sense. not necessarily the case. And you know, so in this instance, uh, second time was a charm.
2: Right. Uh, to expand upon that just a little bit, you know, you, you mentioned that you wrote this initially 10 to 11 years ago, right? So in what ways has the story changed hmm. from your right. original hmm. concept right. to
1: now? Right. Uh, so just to clarify, I, I came up with the concept, You know, way back then, I wrote up a pitch document, so I had kind of the basic premise. I knew what the pilot was, I knew what the series finale was, and I knew some big moves along the way. And uh, like you typically do when you go out to pitch a television show uh, in Hollywood, uh, they want to know that you have a game plan, right? And so, typically, you'll go in and you'll talk for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, just trying to convince them that you have a tantalizing pilot, that you have a formula uh, to continue with with you know compelling episodes, and that you have arcs that will take you all the way from season one out to some you know distant um, season finale, hopefully years down the line, right? Okay. And when it's in particular uh, a serialized mystery like Manifest, the bar is raised a little bit harder. Uh, excuse me, the bar is raised a little bit higher in the sense that they really want to know not necessarily what's going to happen every season but they want to know that there is a roadmap with twists and turns and moves mm-hmm. and continuity uh, such that it's not going to implode that it's not going to become contradictory that it's not going to kind of fall apart right mm-hmm. and uh, and and you know I think that that bar has been raised as a result of many uh, shows trying to capitalize off of the lost phenomenon mm-hmm. right so yeah. you know lost kind of Invented or, or reinvented this genre of, of a serialized high-concept mystery and you know Notwithstanding the fact that there are lost haters out there I think that we would agree that that lost was an incredible success. I'm a big fan of lost and uh, but then in the wake of lost There were a bunch of shows that tried to repeat that formula, right? There were a lot of pilots that got on the air that lasted for a couple episodes, maybe for a season or two, and then went away. So now, if you try to sell a show in that genre, uh, you really need to convince a studio and a network you know the roadmap. So what changed, Brandy, to answer your question, uh, from 11 years ago uh, to now? Well, at the beginning, uh, in my first iteration, I had pretty much everything that exists in the series right now but for one major story point i didn't have cal's illness okay. and therefore i didn't have uh the significance of sanvi uh, okay. in the story that's something that i came up with this second go-round okay. um just in the course of my working with the studio to come up with a story that had as much stakes as possible right. that would have as many compelling journeys Uh, to follow and that would help kind of jumpstart the idea of some higher calling potentially uh, being the architect for all that's going on here now that's still an open question whether or not that's happening but I needed that question of faith versus science to be something that kind of felt like it was on an equal playing field and so I wanted to make sure that we had enough seeming miracles uh, in play so that the kind of faith side of the equation would have some ammunition. Uh, and, uh, you know, so for that and just uh, to kind of create compelling storytelling, I landed on this idea of Cal being sick and of placing, creating the character Sanvi and placing her on, on the plane and creating kind of this seeming nexus between the two of them. So that, that was late in the game. That I came up with, you know, uh, just as I was starting to pitch the show... A year ago okay that's actually really surprising because yeah. I feel like that illness was such a central part it is it has been yeah, very of,
2: much a central part of it
0: especially
1: so. driving the first, yeah, that first moving part. It along. very much so right it's hard to believe that that was uh, uh, an eleventh hour edition but you know <laughs> uh, I mean and by the way I agree with you that it's it's become completely central and I have you know, kind of shamelessly dined out on that story because it proved to be so uh, incredibly compelling. I mean, you look at it and you say, well, obviously a sick little boy who is, you know, um, recovering thanks to this other passenger on the plane feels as inherent to the show uh, as anything else. And and it absolutely is. It was just kind of the last piece of the puzzle that came to me and and it proved to be an important piece. Okay. Yeah. I think
0: that's... I. It's really interesting because, you know, I come from a medical background and it's kind of and it's really nice to see that five year difference, like the way that right. technology and science is advancing, like how that makes a difference. And it is very much I think it felt plausible. Yeah, it felt mm-hmm. plausible. Yeah. Not only that too, but I think you put it really in a great way that it is the nexus between, okay, yes, it's coincident, it's a miracle, but it's also just the way that science and medicine should work. Right. You know what I mean? That that progress and to see kind of that the many ways that that five-year time jump has right. been explored is really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think that that proves to be very uh, effective, and I agree that it felt grounded because, you know, you don't have to be... A medical professional to know that medical technology you know moves with incredible speed in the modern era and so it felt grounded to me that in a five year time span some new development could have occurred and I, I have a you know a couple uh, buddies in LA who kind of work in this world as uh, one cancer doctor buddy of mine had kind of talked me through some parallel technology that had made incredible advancements you know in the last five years and so I kind of based it loosely on on some information that he that he shared with me and so yes it felt plausible to me and the other reason why it proves to be incredibly important and you know we're dancing around this but just to say it out loud I wanted to make sure that there was at least one story strand in the show that represented a Positive that came out of the passage of time, right? Okay, because when you think sense. when you think about every other character who was on that plane, you know, to a person, something negative came yes, out of it, right? Absolutely. You know, Ben, obviously. You know, Michaela, obviously. And and, and you kind of tick off the other passengers who we have met, and everybody kind of lost something or their life has been compromised in some way. Yeah. Right. So the Cal story allowed me to have one story that we were following that allowed you to watch the pilot and feel that there was an element of wish fulfillment associated with it so that the episode didn't just feel like a bad trip from top to bottom
2: right right I know I we've talked about this a couple different times but the show in the very beginning was very quick to walk a very thin line between cop procedural Mm -hmm. drama Mm -hmm. and sci-fi episodic so how have you maintained that balance Um, between those storylines without losing control of the reins.
1: Right. When I first pitched the show, when I first conceived the show, again, back all those years ago, um, I started from a very, again, pragmatic place in that uh, I knew that a a serialized high-concept drama would need several franchises in play Mm -hmm. in order to uh, maintain my storytelling for so many years, right? And so that idea of combining police procedural with relationship drama with a high concept, arguably a supernatural drama, uh, was going to be kind of a crucial cocktail in order to sustain the storytelling for so long. Right. Uh, by having a procedural story in most episodes, and we don't in all of them, right. but we do dine out on you know the police precinct, and, and uh, you know if you if you were to go back and kind of look at the episodes, you'd see probably every other episode has some element of police storytelling. It always ties in right. to the greater right. mystery, which which is you know arguably the hard part or one of the hard parts. But at the same time, it also, in certain scenes, allows us to kind of move away from the greater mystery and just uh, tell a procedural story. So the perfect example uh, would be episode 107 when uh, the Older gentleman was killed in the barbershop, Carlos's grandfather, and we spend, you know, 30 to 40% of the episode just solving that police procedural. Now, in the end, there's a grace note and we discover that Carlos has Evie's heart, and so it comes back in and ties together with the the mythology, but at the same time, that story uh, allowed you to kind of be away from the greater mystery uh, for, you know, a little more than half the episode or mm-hmm. half the episode uh, and that's an important storytelling component for me by being able to bounce from genre to genre from franchise to franchise right procedure mm-hmm. relationship stories and the uber mythology it allows you to slow each one of those stories down right so mm-hmm. to th- so think about it conversely if the show was just about the relationship drama Uh, you'd have to burn through so much soap opera so quickly in order to fill an episode Mm -hmm. and you could say the same thing about the Uber mythology right I'm trying to slow down my mythology I have a Six season plan for the show and uh, you run out of mythology if, if you spend the entirety of every episode just servicing the uber mystery mm-hmm. and so that's why I it was very calculating that I chose to combine these three franchises uh, into one story. Uh, and uh, and I think if you look at most episodes, you'll see all three are in play, some less uh, than others. And in, uh, you know, the more recent batch of episodes, I would say the second half of the season we've probably been a little bit less procedural and a little bit more focused just on the other two right on relationship yeah. drama yes. and, yeah, and, and, and the Uber and the Uber mystery but but the procedural element remains important to series and, and that, that will be a component that you'll continue to see going forward.
2: Yeah, I think it is really interesting the way you use each one of those components to help move the others along. Mm-hmm. I think you guys really do a, a wonderful job on making that happen. And and I think thank this,
0: you. I think as fans too. I think each one of us. I know Brandy and I. You know, each one of mm. us we have a out of that kind of trifecta. We have a particular one that we're most attached to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and for me, it's the mythology, right? right. It's right. the it's these kind of supernatural <laughs> drama aspect. Right. And like you said, I think we've all picked up that kind of. Since the mid-season finale, that's been kind of a big push right, towards right. the end, you know, with Vance in there, you know, at the factory, with the callings, with, with everything. Like, that's been rapidly escalating, which is really exciting for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm actually with Terrence, too. I love the sci-fi and the supernatural aspect of the storyline. Um, to date, like, episode 11, absolutely my favorite. I mean, knocked it out of the park. Um, what, how did you That's, feel about episode
1: eleven? Yeah, that, look, I love episode eleven, and I think that that you know the mythology fans who who watch the show you know more for mythology than the other aspects. I would hope you know considered that episode a real highlight, and just you know, paying attention to social media, it seems like it was very well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, let's acknowledge that there are a lot of people watching the show who. You know, would probably say I'm the least interested in like whatever is sci-fi or supernatural about the show. I like the emotionality. I like that there's grounded relationship drama, uh, and you know, uh, and that's great. You know, I love that people find different ways into the show. I think one of the reason, uh, I think one of the reasons that the show is successful is because different people connect to the show in different ways. And again, from a totally shameless, you know, pragmatic. Uh, point of view, my goal was to tell a story that would bring everybody to the couch, right? So if there's one member of the household who loves, you know, supernatural Mm sci-fi, and there's another member of the household who loves relationship drama, and there's somebody who loves procedure, uh, that they would all find something in the show together. And so therefore, from another way to think about it, when I break the episode each week with my Writing staff is, you know, have we serviced enough such that there's something there for everyone to latch on to? And sometimes in the early iterations of an episode, when we go to outline, uh, we'll, we'll read through and we'll say, you know what, this episode is just feeling way too procedural. I don't think that we've kind of hit the relationships hard enough or fill in the blank or too much mythology right, right. or, you know, and that's, you know, finding the sweet spot for the perfect balance of those different uh, franchises has been one of the challenges of an initial season. You know, it's always a little bit of a roller coaster ride and, you know, I think that certain episodes have been more successful and others less so in finding that sweet spot. But now that we've gotten, you know, to the end of the season, I feel like we got on a really nice run and I'm particularly proud of, you know, what I, what I would call the back half of the season, you know, 10 through 16. I think we kind of really found our rhythm mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, I suspect that, that that the audience will will agree and you know it's become uh, a little bit more of a formula for me to know uh, how much of each uh, of those story strands is enough and you know that, that'll hopefully make it a little bit easier to break season two than it was to break season one.
2: Okay well since you bring it up, um, I'd like to move uh, just into about what your, your your writing process is and what was it like to conceptualize a show mm-hmm. and then have other writers. Right. Bring that forward for you.
1: You know, it, it, it it's an incredibly exciting and exhilarating process to create and develop a show, and it's a it, you know it, it, it's a long process. But you know, there are there are you know writers who work in the movie world who would say it's so fast. You know, I, I you just to talk you through the timeline for a minute. Um, you know, I sold the pitch this time around. Uh, in uh august probably uh, or july or august okay. of of 2017 right and and you know once you sell the pitch uh things move pretty quickly so what's pretty quickly so you know if i sold it, let's say in late july or early august uh they wanted to see uh, an outline uh within three weeks more or less uh once that outline was approved uh they gave me probably six weeks to write a draft uh and then uh you know you have and i might even be exaggerating it might have been four weeks to write a draft it's not long Mm -hmm. and then uh and then you kind of have another four weeks of rewrites and then that's kind of it you know so and I'm, i'm i'm messing up my weeks a little bit but let's put it this way by by thanksgiving i think i had turned in a second draft and okay. then maybe there was a third draft that I did in December, right? But from from August until December, I wrote the outline, which is probably a 14-page document, let's say, single-spaced, scene-by-scene, incredibly detailed. We do this, by the way, for every episode, but this first go-around for the pilot, uh, it's just me, You know by myself i have producing colleagues who i'll talk about in a minute who were my sounding boards Mm -hmm. but you know no writers are working with me so it's a very solitary process Mm -hmm. you know i spent those first few weeks writing that outline feedback from the studio warner brothers feedback from the network nbc um, and then you know you iterate you might turn in a second draft sometimes a third draft very rapid fire a day later a day later uh, you go off and write the script it's the same deal Uh, but anyway it's 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 Great, I love it. You, you know, I, I like being you know a one man band during that development process. Mm-hmm. I I, you know, I'm not somebody who has to be surrounded with with you know other colleagues. I'm okay, you know, working on my own for a certain period of time when you're creating one piece of material, that pilot script. Mm-hmm. But it's a completely different deal to now create a, a series, right? When yeah. when and, you, you know it would be impossible literally impossible to write a network uh, drama on on your own the pace wouldn't allow for it there's just far too much to do so as much as I love the solitude of, of writing that pilot script all on my own uh, I have equal you know love plus a, an incredible sense of relief to when you get to that point where you become a series, to read hundreds of scripts that get submitted select the very best ones that you've read meet with all of those people and then within that subset select the smartest most interesting people with the best ideas and to have them work with you full time right to have these you know handful these eight or so additional brains working with you 24/7 on your show it's the greatest thing in the world So uh, I am incredibly lucky to have this talented writing staff working with me. And, you know, I couldn't do it without them. And, and, you know, then efficiencies kick in. You know, I write the show in L.A. I edit the show in L.A. We're right now sitting in New York City, which is where we film the show, right? So the fact that I'm going back and forth, uh, which I do constantly on average, I was in New York every third week Uh, during uh, filming of season one Mm -hmm. uh, meant that, you know, the writer's room was often working without me and the writer's room is always up and running in LA from the moment I hired everybody uh, in late May all the way through till, you know, at, we're, we're recording this, you know, right now at the end of January. And uh, we just finished, you know, two weeks ago in the writer's room when this final episode that we're filming right now as we sit here, the season finale, uh, is being filmed. So I just, you know, finished up with everybody and am finally able to just focus you know, on this last episode, but from episode two through episode 15, I'm always multitasking in the craziest of ways, right? I'm, I'm, I'm breaking the next episode. I'm filming the current episode and I'm editing the last episode. Uh, and those three, uh, buckets of work are all consuming. And so it would again impossible without my right. writing colleagues is required yeah I'm exhausted. is required <laughs> it. It, it takes a village for sure
2: in all things
0: um so like like we said manifest is in the process of wrapping uh and we're recording this at the end of january so Brandon and i haven't seen everything yet no but right but we're right. going to release this episode at the end of the season so from kind of the beginning to this of the season till the end of the season yeah who do you think character wise has gone through
1: the biggest change? Uh-huh. Um great question. Uh I would say the character who's gone through the biggest change is Grace. And uh let me talk about Grace for a minute because uh I feel that Grace uh has gotten uh, a tough shake out there uh in social oh, media. Not, no, in not, room, yeah, not in this room. Yeah, not in this room. She's- we 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 love grace, no, we I, love I, grace. And, and, and and that's one reason why i appreciate you know this podcast but i think that that a lot of viewers have had a hard time Processing the journey of grace. So let's talk. Let's talk about that journey for a minute and I'll explain why I think that uh, You know, she's come the farthest right Mm -hmm. Uh, And and you know for me, it's kind of self-evident, but let's just let's just say it out loud Uh, In the pilot episode, you know, Grace's life has been turned upside down in exactly the same but reciprocal way as our passengers, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, she Buried a child, she buried a husband. You know, quote, quote, unquote, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went through that mourning process. She uh, became a single mom, uh, raising a troubled uh, teenage uh, between into teenage daughter who mm-hmm. had who had suffered the same losses that she had suffered. Uh, finally, uh, got the mental health and the strength and the courage to move on with her life moved on with her life uh got her shit back together at long last only to you know have her life turned upside down by the return of the plane and obviously you know uh the plane's return was uh you, you know the the best thing uh that could have happened to anybody who had lost those loved ones like she had, and yet at what price, right? Right. At what price? And so when you think about the journey of Grace, we meet her in the pilot uh, having to... Abruptly end a relationship in order to make room for her for her husband, uh, you know, in, in her home, in her bed, and to you know immediately cut ties with, with that new relationship, and not only a new relationship for her, but but you know she had given her daughter a, a new father figure, yeah, absolutely. right, and and, and as. Uh, you know, Olive told us in those early episodes, you know, I I think it's in 105 or or so, Olive says, or or 105 or 107, Olive says, uh, you know, Danny's my dad too. I love dad, but, but Danny's my dad too, right? So that's an incredible challenge for any person to have to deal with. And so there's that combined with the fact that Grace isn't dealing with any of the callings. Has no knowledge of them in the early episodes, right? right? And we stacked the deck such that uh, we we convinced uh, Ben and Michaela that they shouldn't be sharing the details Absolutely. of the callings with with you know Grace and Olive. So so it's my fault, right? You, you know anybody out there who has a hard time with Grace? Don't blame Grace. Blame me. <laughs> blame me. Seriously, because I I made the choice to create this impossible paradox right where i didn't want want uh Ben and Michaela to share the callings Mm -hmm. with Grace and so there was this divide right it it, it was this impossible chasm where uh Grace didn't know what was going on she didn't understand the journey that Ben and Michaela were going on and nor nor, uh, did Ben and Michaela feel that they could tell her you know without without endangering themselves without endangering Grace and ultimately we got to that point as we all know when, when when the truth came out but just to put one, one final word on that again for any any fans of this podcast who 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 you know don't see the light the way Brandi and Terrence and I do <laughs> you know let me just remind you that you have seen all the scenes right when you were watching episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, right. 8, 9 you at home you saw every scene Grace didn't see every scene no, Grace no, only not. saw Grace's scenes That's right. you know That's right. and so it's so easy to invest emotionally with Ben and to invest emotionally with Michaela but because they are on the journey of series, right? Mm-hmm. And so we inherently, as viewers, right, uh, um, we invest in our protagonists, right? Right, and we are on the side of our protagonists. And anybody yeah. who we think, you know, doesn't see things the same way our protagonists do, or anybody who doesn't give our protagonists the benefit of the doubt, um, we judge them. But in my mind, Grace is every much a protagonist in this series. As, as the others, by episode, you know, 109 it was a bottoming out of that relationship between Ben and Grace. It wasn't until episode 12, which airs tonight as we film, right. as we film this, the, uh, as we record this podcast uh, ten, uh, episode 12 is when is when Grace's eyes are finally opened finally opened to the full magnitude of the callings and you'll find, Brandy and Terrence, as you watch 12 through 16, that 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 uh, represent a healing between Grace and Ben, and it, it took the, the opening her eyes to the full extent of the callings for uh, that healing to occur. And I hope and pray uh, by, uh, by the end of 116, by the time uh, everybody at home has watched the series finale, that uh, everyone is at last on board with Grace. And with the Grace and Ben relationship, because it's complicated, it oh, was so, intended. Uh, yeah. It was intended to be complicated, and uh, and and by now, uh, Grace and Ben have really come together. A brand new complication uh, results ben. by the end uh, of of episode sixteen. That is going to challenge them as we go forward into into season two. But uh, but they're in it together.
0: And I think that's one of the things that Brain and I picked up on really, really quickly there's no bad guy in this relationship. No, You know, it's really easy to paint someone like, oh, excellent. Right. But for all intents and purposes, Ben was gone. Like, right. it, 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 it was right. She said she
2: moved on and started anew.
0: Right. right. And I think the performance that Athena Karkanas gives is just absolutely incredible. No, I think it's
2: a nod to you, making that decision to tell them, no, don't share this information. Right. Because I think it allows her to truly invest in that character and those emotions that she shows on, you know, within throughout the episodes, I mean, I feel it. It translates. And
0: and not only that too, but can you imagine someone coming to you, hey, I have these visions. I hear these things. You know <laughs> That's what I mean? So true. <laughs> yes. Believe me, I swear, but you know, it's it's a hard sell. And right. I think um, we kind of saw in the previews of episode one twelve, it's that you're right. She's finally seeing the pieces, like, oh, this isn't just conjecture. Right. There's hard physical evidence. And it's that leap of prove it right you know prove it mm-hmm. and so I think that you know personally I think Grace's journey is incredibly I think captivating for Good. I, as an audience yeah. member yeah.
1: Good. I'm glad you I'm glad you think so and I, I'm a huge fan of of Athena as uh, an actor and I'm a huge fan of the character because for me Grace more than anyone uh, carries the full weight of the dilemma of, yeah. the, of the series yeah. totally you agree know? yeah yeah. And
0: t- she is, I feel, a bit of an audience proxy as well. You know, it's, okay, we're here. She would be who we were. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, this thing appears That's right. and this is my life.
1: That's right. right. She's <laughs>
2: taking it in along with us. Right.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, gr- gr- Grace and, 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 and to an extent all of represent re- represent the audience's point of view. Yeah.
0: Right. And so what has kind of the fan reaction been that you've kind of, you know, felt from, I guess, social media and mm-hmm. everything else, you know?
1: But look, I've been delighted by the enthusiasm, I've been delighted by the passion. Uh, fans are opinionated and fans are entitled to be opinionated, right? I mean, I you know, I just spent five minutes venting about how I think <laughs> I think grace has been misunderstood, but you know what? Uh, once you kind of release the story into, into the world, everyone is entitled to their opinions so so. Uh, you you know if you disagree you, you know with, with with how I've described uh, Grace's journey, you are absolutely entitled to that opinion. Just because I created the show uh, doesn't mean that my point of view is is the right point of view. Because now the story just kind of exists. On its own, right? right? And we and and I feel like I can talk about my intentionality, but uh, but now you know it, it's its own thing, uh, and, and and you know we're all entitled to our opinion. Uh, so look, I I I love that people are sticking with the show. I love that people are trying to analyze uh, what happened, the Uber mystery, and debate kind of you know science versus higher calling, and trying to figure out which which aspects of each episode represent easter eggs you know clues if you will Mm -hmm. some do some don't uh i don't know that i want to you know point point the audience right now towards which matter (laughs) because i might be stepping on the ultimate puzzle of series but um but i love that people are paying attention to all the details there's some great articles that pop up where i see people deconstructing you know the song lyrics uh, when, when, when we choose a needle drop in an episode, right. and, and you know it, what, what the significance of the lyrics uh, were, you know sometimes you know th- that had been taken into account when we put it on. Other times we just liked a song thematically, we liked the feel of a song, and so. But 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 again, you, you know what? Deconstruct uh, to your heart's content. <laughs> I, I I I love that everybody is kind of you know looking wall to wall for puzzles, and that's cool. But and, and you know some of them. Uh, will be the ones that ultimately matter.
2: Well, I think it's it shows that people are actually invested, you know, into this storyline and that, you know, they, they care about what's happening and what's going right. to come from it. But right. even within that, is there anything associated with the storyline that people aren't picking up that you feel like they should be?
1: I don't think so. I think that, you, you know, by the time everybody has watched uh, season one and this, you know, podcast is going to air after season one, I think that uh, a lot of fans out there will draw the conclusion that, that in that faith versus science debate, uh, that, that y- 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 you know, faith has kind of taken a giant leap forward mm-hmm. that, 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 uh, that, you know, you're, you're going to come out of season one feeling like this is more about you know some higher calling or benevolent design and feel that you have less ammunition for uh, the scientific explanations that have been posited uh, throughout the season. But all I'll say to that is that if you watch the show because you love the scientific side of the show and you're looking to piece together scientific theories, uh, stick with it because it's always been my intention. And you know, it, it, those out there who are listening to this, who have read other uh, interviews that I've given uh, have probably heard me say this before that even though I've always talked about that this you know faith versus science uh, conceit in the end the bottom line is that for me it's less it's less faith or science and it's more about faith and science and it's my intention uh, from season one all the way through to series finale to be servicing both of those strands because uh, it's my can it's my belief and therefore it's my storytelling conceit uh, in manifest that if Benevolent design were involved in uh, this story just just as if to say if benevolent design uh, Had some impact on our everyday lives that that benevolent design would be happening through science Right, and I believe that that you know anything that 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 happens in the universe whether you believe it is, you know, been architected by some higher force um, or whether you're a strict evolutionist, um, it's undeniable that, that you know, science uh, has some impact on how that supposed benevolent design is put into effect just because some higher calling might be the architect of a five and a half year gap in these people's lives doesn't mean that they wouldn't necessarily have a blood marker uh, that would connect all of them together, right? Just because a plane disappeared and came back for five and a half years because some higher calling may have been a part of it does not mean that there that there isn't some physical footprint on the universe that we can look at to figure out how and why that transpired.
2: Right. Well, that makes
1: sense.
0: Okay, so uh, Brandy was telling me a story, and apparently uh, she was talking to you at the rap party, and apparently you sent clips of the podcast to the cast members. Is that true? Uh,
1: that may be true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, so... Well, <laughs> sir, well I, 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 was an, I was an early adopter. I, I, I feel like I, I found... I found you certainly before the cast did. Okay. Uh, and so, yes, I had to make them aware, of course. Fantastic. Okay,
0: so as this is a little bit of a self-serving question. What was your first reaction to hearing the podcast?
1: Uh, I lost my mind. And, and But but hold on. Forget even hearing the podcast because, as I think I told one or both of you uh, when we were hanging out the other night, um, even when I just discovered the, the poster art for the, for the podcast, <laughs> the brilliant hybrid combination of the kind of network NBC poster <laughs> with some extra faces on there yeah. I, I, you you had you had me at the poster art and then and then to hear you guys on there you, you know deconstructing the show and speaking intelligently about it uh, just you, you know I, I was incredibly you know gratified and moved a little bit I would even say uh, I was very touched by it so so thank you for this thank well, you.
0: I'm glad you listened to our uh, very low production values <laughs>
2: right. and, and my <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: so, sounds like a podcast to me. <laughs> you know, ca- call it lo-fi if you want, but sounds like a podcast. Okay, here and here's the real question.
0: In episode 110, that podcast, how much of it, of it was inspired by Montego Knights?
1: <laughs> oh, great call. <laughs> great call. Uh, uh, um, I'm not going to deny there might be a nexus there. <laughs> all right, all, all right. right. We thought maybe. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But so,
0: a kind of uh, going on, and... Is there anything that you can reveal to us about season two? Uh,
1: well, you know, those who are listening to, the, to this podcast uh, episode have, have been through, you know, season one. And, uh, and you know, you will have discovered uh, in the finale that uh, it was not uh, a random amount of time when we learned that the plane had been missing for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, as we sit here filming episode, uh, filming episode 16, you're only watching uh, episode 12 tonight. So spoiler alert to the two of you. Um, <laughs> <All right. coughs> we're we're going <laughs> to we're we're meet a character tonight who was not on that plane, but who, like the passengers, had disappeared and come back. Uh, and okay. and his name is Zeke, and he is a hiker in the woods. And he will have been gone for a year, and he's come back, and he has the callings also. So that that's the huge reveal of tonight's episode in twelve. Okay. Then later in episode fourteen, someone else is going to come back, and this is a bad dude named Griffin, who is a criminal, a a, a seeming killer, uh, and he too also possesses the callings, and uh, and he. Unlike Zeke, the hiker who came back in 12, who has the callings and is trying to use them for good, as Ben and Michaela and others are doing, uh, Griffin uh, uses them for bad and not for good. And that's why Griffin, in the series finale, will meet a very untimely and horrifying de- de- demise. Demise. <laughs> nice. Demise. I like and going the- out with a bang. Yes. And the demise of Griffin. Um, along with some other mythology factors that will have been peeled uh, over the course of episodes 13 through 16 is going to lead Ben and Olive, uh, who's working with Ben on the mythology, to come to the terrifying conclusion uh, that they may only have five and a half years back on Earth. Oh boy. And that is our big season wow. one out. That's okay. Whew. So, so that, that is, and, and I, I'm kind of cutting to the chase, and it'll make more sense as you have uh, kind of followed the uh, mythology reveals of episodes 13, 14, 15, 16. So, if you're listening to the podcast right now, you already track all of this. Right. right. But, but I'm dropping a truth bomb on Brandy and Terrence right now. <laughs> I'm mind blown. Yeah. We're <laughs> I, 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 you. <laughs>
0: You'll see our faces in yeah. the video, but we are suitably shocked. Yeah. So,
1: so anyway, so we get out of so we get out of season one with this five and a half year time frame, right? And then we're going to come back into season, and, and there's one or two other uh, cliffhangers that 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 I'm, I'm not going to hit you with in this podcast because I need you to be able to enjoy right. enjoy the episodes right, yeah, in real time. Yeah, yeah. But that's the big one. Okay. okay. That's the big one. There's 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 two there's two other uh, significant ones, but uh, that if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's the big one. And then, as we get back into season two, uh, what can I tip off? Well, one thing that I'll say that is going to be a, a challenge and opportunity uh, in the writers' room as we start breaking uh, season two is that uh, it's been very challenging to move time, story time forward uh, in our episodes. What I mean by that is from p- the pilot episode to episode sixteen in story time, and we know this because we track it in the writers' room. It's only been like five, months? not even, not even. It's like five weeks. Five weeks. Wow. Uh, five, wow. uh, okay. yeah and and so and, it, and it's been very challenging for us to keep things very serialized and yet move story forward because now that I have revealed to you that that you know our passengers mainly have five and a half years back on earth I need to start moving time forward in series mm-hmm. so that we can play the significance of that ticking right. Clock. Right. it's the idea you have six seasons exactly well that is so 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 I've always talked about six seasons so now you understand right. what that six season plan is about because I have this ticking clock of five and a half years That's right? right and so my goal is to be able to move story time along so that every season represents a year you know moving forward right. that's very challenging and you'll see uh, in the end of the of episode 16 we have left you with, with, with two you know what I will call sub cliffhangers if the ultimate cliffhanger is this is this mythology revealed about five and a half years uh, there are two sub cliffhangers. Uh, one about Grace and Ben. The, the the listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Sorry, guys, wait for it. Uh, <laughs> the other is about the other is about Zeke, a character who, as we sit here, you don't even know yet. No, right. But you all. will grow to know and love. And he and Jared are going to come to heads in in in, in a very violent way in the series finale. And so that cliffhanger and the Ben and Grace cliffhanger are going to require being paid off you know, in some real-time fashion, and yet I need to move time along. And so my goal as I sit here is to jump, not time jump, but to come back uh, in some manner uh, many months out, excuse me, uh, many months out from uh, from the season one finale. And so uh, it is my goal and my expectation that we will start season two, let's say, six months uh, after uh, after the end of the season one finale. And if you just watch the season one finale, you're going to wonder, well, Rake, how is it possible <laughs> that you're going to be able to go six months ahead without paying off these two reveals? Well, that's for me and the writers to figure out <laughs> over the okay. next couple months. That's awesome.
0: That is amazing. Well, guys, that's pretty much all the time we have. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, for it's my great pleasure. Podcast.
2: Yeah, um, no, we really enjoyed our time with you here today.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how... You're so welcome. It's been my
1: pleasure. <laughs> so how can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, really Jeff Rake. Uh, and I am on Twitter at Jeff underscore Rake. Uh, yeah. Follow me and, uh, you know, more updates as, as they come about. And anything you want to say to the fans? Hey, I'm so grateful for your listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful that you watch the show, that you tell other people about the show and, uh, you know, uh, I'm only on the air because of you. So thank you. My gratitude is endless. Fantastic. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for us. As always, I'm Terrence. And I'm Brandy. Thanks for listening.
2: And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Brandy R. Larkin. And
0: you can find me as Errant Bachelor on Instagram and Errant Bachelor on Twitter.
2: Yeah, guys. Uh, as usual, thanks for giving us permission to land.